This is our summer road trip, if, if you're not familiar. Uh, the last few years, we've taken a summer road trip through the Bible. Uh, this one's titled, Mapping the Message on the Mount. And we're talking about some of the principles that Jesus taught uh, on the Sermon on the Mount series. And this week, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, blessed are the mourners, the mourners, not mourning people. Are you, are you a mourning person? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> We're not talking about blessed are the mourning people. The mourners, those that mourn. Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. Uh, if not, I believe we have some scriptures on the screen. Chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, and verse 4 is our, our key text. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain... And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, jump to verse 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the mourners. Jesus' teachings were uh, very countercultural uh, to the day that he was living in. Uh, in many respects, they're very countercultural to the day that we live in as well. Uh, a lot of the things that he taught just went against the grain. Uh, it, it goes against the grain of modern day society. It went against the grain of his current day uh, and what was being taught by many of the religious leaders in that day. Uh, as countercultural as they were, they were still completely relevant. Uh, they were relevant to them. And they are still relevant to us. Uh, this is what makes the word of the Lord have the authority that it has. Because as relevant as it was 2,000 years ago, it is equally as relevant now in this day and age that we live. Uh, that's, that's the miracle of the word of God. Uh, it's always relevant. It's always applicable. God can speak to them a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, two months ago through the same scriptures that we're studying right now. Uh, Jesus taught right where they were at. Uh, he had a, a way about his teaching that he was able to connect with people right on the level of their understanding, right, right where they were. He, he seemed to be able to pull a story out of thin air, a parables, what, what they're called, and he would just expound on that and take something that was so common to man and turn it into a spiritual principle that they could apply to their life. And I'm thankful that we can read the scriptures and we can take those same parables, those same stories, and they still apply, they still feed us, they still affect us in some way positive that will help us be better, better Christians, better believers. He was able to communicate uh, through beautiful illustrations God's intentional love for each and every person that would sit under his teaching. Uh, I appreciate how the, the writer in Matthew uh, reminded us that in verse 1, Jesus seeing the multitudes... When you read verse 1, that right there just kind of speaks to me. Jesus seen them. It, it, it wasn't as if he just kind of, oh, there's people there. It was he, he saw them. He saw into them. He saw their lives. He saw their hearts. 
He saw the condition of their souls and their spirits. When it says that he seen them, it wasn't like he just glanced out and seen a multitude and thought, oh, well, let's go up here where we have more room. No, he seen them. He seen what they were going through. He seen where they were at. He's seen something in their life that he could help them with. Uh, we can be encouraged that Jesus sees us. Jesus sees you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows your address. As a matter of truth, the Bible says that he knows the very number of the hairs on our head. He sees us. He sees you. He knows where you're at. Uh, the devil would love to convince you that God does not see you. He would love to convince you that God uh, is not interested in what you have going on or, or that you are too insignificant for his plans and for his purposes. That, that is a lie. Don't believe any of that. He sees you right where you're at. He see, he, matter of fact, he saw you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. He knows you. He knows every detail about your life. On several occasions in the Gospels, we can read about how Jesus looked upon the multitudes and had compassion. He, he, when he seen people, he didn't just see a bunch of people, a, a great following, like, yeah, I'm building my following like somebody would on Twitter or, or Instagram. They see the number and think, ah, yeah. That's not the way Jesus looked at his, the people following him. When he seen them, he's seen them with compassion. He's seen them with a heart of, of love that had a desire, a deep desire to alleviate the burdens and, and the hurts and the struggles that they dealt with and that they felt. When Jesus sees you, you can believe and you can trust that he is looking at you with eyes of compassion. The enemy would like nothing more for you to be convinced that when Jesus sees you, that he just sees your sin. Or, or when he sees you, he just sees you through condemnation on how he can correct you or, or judge you because you're not living up to the letter of the law. That is not how Jesus looks at us. When Jesus looks at us, it is through compassion. He looks at us and thinks, how can I help them? How can I restore them? How can I heal them? How can I make them whole? How can I bring them up to the level that I want them to be at? It, not just some expectation of a drill sergeant. He looks at you through the loving eyes of a father and says, how can I bring my children up to where they deserve to be? And I appreciate that about the writer. Uh, Mark 6 and 34 even says, And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So he taught from that compassionate standpoint. He seen them, and then he took action. So let's talk about this. Blessed, blessed are they that mourn. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4 tells us that there is a time to weep. There is a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. There is a season for mourning. There are seasons in our life. There are, are times 
that we struggle. We mourn for many reasons. Our hearts are grieved throughout the days of our life for different reasons, different situations. Many times when we think about mourning, we think about the loss of a loved one, somebody that was dear to us, and that is a reason we mourn. Uh, matter of fact, that's the first point that I have in my notes. We mourn, we grieve, uh, we hurt when, some, when somebody close to us uh, leaves this life. We mourn for them. But there are so many more reasons why we mourn. Uh, we hurt for many different reasons in this life. Uh, and Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. You are blessed. He said, Consider, consider a good thing. And that's, this is why I started off that Jesus' teachings are quite con contrary to the way we think and the way we would think how it should be. When we grieve, when we mourn, we don't think that's a good thing. We think that's a bad thing. We don't want to grieve. We don't want to mourn. We don't want to feel hurt. We don't want to feel that pain in our, in our stomach and in our chest when, when things are going wrong in our life. But Jesus said, blessed, blessed are you when you mourn, for you shall be comforted. But we may mourn for a broken relationship. Uh, how, many, how many times have you been in situations, and this is why, this is why as a dad, and I was a youth leader at one time, but just as a man, I, I, I hate, I hate teen dating. You know why? Because they get hurt so easy. They, they get hurt so easy, right? They just give their hearts away. They just, they just fall in love, puppy love. And then three months later, another puppy comes by. <laughs> right? Am I lying? And then they, oh, Cupid shot them again. They, they, they mourn. They hurt. And, and, I, and I've always been like, don't, don't date. Just be friends. Just be friends. Have, have lots of friends. Eventually, one of them will be the right one. Just don't go dating. Don't go giving your heart away just because you have a crush. Because you mourn that loss. When that relationship is broken, when that relationship ends, you mourn. They hurt. And that goes for all of us. We, we mourn broken relationships. We have friendships or, or situations that come into our lives where uh, relationships just sever. Relationships just break away. And we grieve those. Those hurt us because we are interrelational people. That's the way God designed us to be. So we grieve when, when we lose connection. We grieve when we lose a relationship. When, when something goes awry and there's a brokenness there. Now there's hurt. Now there's pain. We mourn that. We mourn hurtful situations. Uh, maybe somebody offends you. Maybe somebody said, and they may not even know it. Somebody will say something that just hits you in the right spot at the right time. And you wear that. You, you feel that for the next few days. You mourn that. You grieve that. There, there are painful situations. Maybe you lose a job. Maybe you are in a situation where you, 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 your house gets you know, take whatever. There's life happens to everybody, and everybody's got different situations. But we can end up in a state of mourning, like I didn't see that coming. I don't know how that happened. 
And, now, and you're looking up at God saying, God, I didn't, what did I do? And you grieve and you mourn. But God is saying, you're blessed. You're blessed. If you feel pain, you're blessed. Because there will come a day where comfort will come. We mourn that, uh, we, we mourn for other people. Sometimes it, it may not be you. It may not be your situation. It may be a friend. It may be somebody you love or care about. You know they're hurting. You know they're in pain. And you grieve for them. You mourn for them. You hurt for them. Because you care about them. You care about how they feel. You care about what they're going through. I, am I talking to anybody where you have hurt for a friend? You have wept for a friend. You, the Bible says, weep with them that weep. We weep with people. We mourn. We hurt for them. Because as, as believers and having the love of God in us, there's compassion there. We, we see that pain. We feel their pain. You can tell them, I, I'm grieving with you. I'm mourning with you. I hurt for you. We mourn so many situations in life. I don't even think we truly kind of really consider how many times throughout the course of a year we hurt. We, or maybe you just go through a dry season, a down season, a season where you're just, <laughs> I was emotional the other night. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's because my family left. I, I, was, I was terribly emotional. I kept tearing up. I'm like, God, what is going on with me? I'm, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. Is this what happens when you age? <laughs> you just, everything, you just become soft and everything just, just gets you right, right in the feelers. So I was like, I didn't feel sad, but yet I was emotional. We just have these seasons. There's a time to weep. There's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn. You just go through these things. Sometimes you're, you're affected by situations and you don't know why. Part of it is because we are spiritual beings as well. That we feel things going on and we don't often realize what it is. But we mourn for others. We mourn. And this, this one is kind of jumped out to me. Uh, we mourn from sin. We mourn when we make mistakes. We grieve when we fail God. Uh, if you truly have a heart to please God, if you truly have a heart to, to serve the Lord and to want, to want to please Him, want to be a child that is, is walking in favor, when you fall down, when you make a mistake, uh, there is grief there. You feel that, that conviction. You feel that sting, that hurt. There's mourning there. And, and some scholars believe that that's exactly what Jesus was teaching about. He was, they, some scholars believe that he was teaching about sin in, in this particular passage that we're studying tonight. Uh, that we mourn when we fail, when we, when we feel like we're not living up to our best in, in the kingdom or for the Lord. That hurts us. You want to live up. Uh, you know, you want to meet <clears throat> your heavenly father's expectations. And when we fail and we fall short, there is a feeling of letdown. There's a feeling of grief there where you just, you're like, God, I, I, don't, I don't know, Lord. I don't know why, you know, I did that. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I, I, I got involved with that situation. And you grieve that and you mourn that. But the great thing about it is that Jesus said, you're blessed. Blessed are you because you mourn. Maybe blessed are you because you care enough to mourn. Maybe blessed are you because you care enough to feel that, that hurt. Because there are others that they may not care. 
they may say, well, you know, what happened happened. And I'm moving on with my life. But Jesus said, when you mourn, you're blessed. You're blessed because something's coming. There's a promise coming. There's a reason why you're blessed. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We mourn for loved ones that are in sin on the subject. We mourn when we see a friend. We mourn when we see a family member that is in sin. We mourn for them. I, I hope we mourn for them. I hope we hurt for them. Because we know what's happening. We know the destruction that sin causes. We know the damage that sin can do to a life. We, we should mourn if you have a son or a daughter. I'm not saying you walk around just heavy hearted all the time with your, with your head in the mully grubs. I'm saying that there, there are instances where we mourn in the presence of God. We, we take them, and, and whoever that is, we take them to the throne, and we grieve and we mourn on their behalf because we know where they're going should they die. We hurt for their heart. We hurt for their soul. We hurt for their eternity. And we know that they should be living so much better. They should be doing so much better. That God has so much more and, and such a better life for them. If you care, you mourn. You grieve them. You grieve their situation. But blessed are you when you mourn. When we mourn, we can mourn. I don't know about you. Sometimes I mourn for my country. I, I mourn for this beautiful land that we live. I mourn for this great country. We should, Israel mourned for their country. When, when they knew that they were being taken and carried away captive, they mourned to return back to the land that, of their promise. They mourned uh, when sin had ravaged their land. They mourned for what God was going to bring upon them. At least the ones that understood, the ones that knew. Uh, we should mourn for this country. Our, our hearts should hurt for this nation that we live uh, because we see that when a, in a country where uh, sin is tolerated and sin is so widespread and, and it is tolerated, it will eventually be adjudicated. God will eventually have to. Sin demands judgment. Sin itself cries out to God to be judged. That's the way he designed it. We mourn for this country. Proverbs 29 and 2. When the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. We mourn when wickedness sits in places of authority. Because we know the effects of sin. We know what sin can do to a life and what it can do to a country. All you have to do is read about the history of Israel. And you can see what sin will do to a country. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Psalms 30 and 5 says that, For his anger endureth but for a moment, but in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There is a better day coming. We will deal with grief. We will feel pain. 
we will have traumatic uh, times in our life that will afflict us. We will hurt. We will mourn. But there is a day coming where joy will come and, and comfort will come and peace will come. I, I want to remind you that, that your mourning is just for a season. Your, your weeping and your grief, it is just for a moment. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. The most important thing in those seasons is whether or not we have Jesus. The most important thing in those seasons of mourning is whether or not we turn to Jesus. If, if there is sin, let us turn back to Jesus. If there is mourning, let us turn our prayer and our cries to Jesus. He is the one that brings the comfort. He's the one that brings the joy. When we have Jesus, we have peace. When we have the Lord on our side, we have hope. When we have Jesus, we have the promise that, that comfort is coming down the road. We shall be comforted. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's, let's get into the, the happy part. of it. We'll keep the morning short. <laughs> let's, let's extend the comfort. Being comforted, let's just, let's just uh, get this out of the way right now. Being comforted is not the same as being comfortable. Yet even in the most uncomfortable of circumstances, we can have peace. We can have peace. Now, when he said, you shall be comforted, that, that does not mean he's going to bring a nice, soft, one of those real soft blankets and wrap it around you and warm you up, and give you a hot cocoa and pat you on the back and read you a bedtime story. Being comforted does not mean being comfortable. Uh, you know, there's a danger in being comfortable. There's a danger there. We don't want to be so comfortable that we just want to stay where we're at. See, you get too comfortable, and you just stay right where you're at. You know, you don't want to go back, but you don't want to go forward. I'm just okay right here. That's not what Jesus was talking about. The, the Greek word for comforted in this Scripture is parakaleo. Hope I said that right. Parakaleo, uh, which means to call near, to invite, or to be encouraged. Uh, so he was saying that uh, when you are mourning, I am going to invite you in. I'm going to invite you in to close proximity to my presence. I'm going to call you nearer to me. Blessed are they that mourn. Why? Because God's going to draw you closer. God is going to draw you near to him in a more intimate way than you could have ever had before the mourning season, before the grief, before the pain. I know nobody wants to endure the pain, but the promise is we get to draw closer to our Father. 
We get to draw closer to our Savior. We get to be invited into a place that others cannot come. We get to be encouraged in a way that others cannot be encouraged. So I just want to encourage you today, if you're grieving, if you're mourning, if you're in pain, if you are suffering in some way, take heart. Take heart because Jesus is going to draw you in. Jesus is going to invite you into a close intimate place with him that many others cannot come because they have not been through the grief. They have not been through the process. They have not been through the pain. The reward is his presence in a deeper way. The reward is knowing him in a way that others cannot know him. I had somebody tell me this one time, and I didn't see it at the time because I was in the middle of it. They said, David, what you're going through now God is going to use to bless so many people. And there are very few people who will be able to minister on that level because they have not been through that pain. They have not been through that struggle. So if you're going through mourning, blessed are you. Blessed are you for you will be invited in. You will be comforted and you will be encouraged. And then you can turn around and grab somebody else who's going through the same struggle, through the same pain and you with sincerity and with honesty you can look them dead in the eye and say I feel your pain I know where you are at I've been there and I'm telling you that you're going to be better because of it you'll be better because of it Psalms 34 and 17 through 19 says the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles and right here I want to key in. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. That is a promise. If, and you can liken mourning and grief to brokenness. And this draws God Closer to you. There is something about mourning. There is something about grief that equates to brokenness and attracts God. When you are hurting, it attracts the Lord to where you're at. When you are broken, it attracts God. You Believe it or not, when, when you are dealing with something that is too big and too heavy and it is grieving you and oppressing you and it is breaking your heart, you are attracting God the Lord. And if you will turn to him, he will invite you into a place that is intimate and that is unlike any other experience that you can ever have. It is his nature to heal. It is his nature to help. It is his nature to restore and it is his nature to make you whole. God is attracted to brokenness. God is attracted to grief. He is attracted to mourning. In, in some of our darkest seasons of life, we can feel closest to Jesus. In some of the toughest trials, we can feel his nearness unlike any other time. In some of the lowest valleys, we can feel closer to God than we ever did on the mountaintop. Because he is attracted to those that mourn and those that are in some type of pain or process whatever God has determined whatever he has determined to use as a means of comfort let him 
let him. That's a word for somebody today. You need to let God help you. You need to let God help you in, in, in his way. In his way. God wants to help you. But if, if he don't do it your way, that's okay. That's better. It's better for you to let God help you in his way. If God sends you a word, let that word come and apply healing balm to your, your pain. If God sends a person, it may not be the person you want to come. It may not be the person that you, you expect to come. But if God sends somebody into your life, let them help you. Let them minister to you. Let God help make you whole in his way. God has determined to invite us in and, and, and encourage us. But sometimes he does it in a way that we are not expecting. God can bring comfort by his spirit. Uh, we have, if you have the Holy Ghost, then you have the comforter. In John chapter 14. Uh, actually, the word comforter in John chapter 14 is, is parakletos. Very similar to the one we read. Which, it literally means the comforter or the encourager. The one that will come alongside you. So he's saying, I will comfort you. I will give you my very presence. And he will help you. I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. But ye shall know him for he dwelleth with you. He shall be in you. Jesus was saying, I will come to you in spirit form. I will comfort you. I will heal you. I will encourage you. I will lift you up. There, there is comfort in his presence. Uh, there is comfort in his word. Uh, anybody ever just get into the word of God when you're hurting, when you're struggling, when you're going through some junk? You can get into this book and you can read these, these scriptures and you can apply the healing of his word to your heart. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like the word of God that knows how to just find the soft spot. Knows how to just find. Sometimes you don't even. Sometimes you, you can put this word over your heart and weep before God. And pace your floor and cry out to God. And I'm telling you, there is healing that comes. There is healing that comes through his presence and through his word. Blessed are you because you shall be comforted. God can give you comfort through the spoken word. There, there's been times, and I know in every one of our life, that somebody can speak the word, somebody can teach the word or preach the word, or sometimes I can just open up that word and I can scan the pages and I can be blessed and I can be healed and I can be comforted because of the promises that are contained in that book. God can bring comfort through family and friends. And through a church. Through a church. Imagine that. You can get what you need at church. Some of us struggle on our own. Because we just don't want to come and be vulnerable to the people of God. We struggle in silence. Because we just don't, we don't want to let nobody in. We don't want to just open up the door and let somebody speak 
encouragement over us. You have a church family that loves you. You have a, a people that care about you. They, they will grieve with you. They will suffer with you. There are people that will sit in brokenness with you. They will sit with you in the ashes. They will sit with you in your darkness. They will sit with you in your pain. There are people in the family of God that care and that have a ministry, literally, to help broken people. Let the family of God help you. Come into the house of the Lord. It never ceases to amaze me how the presence of God can be all that we need. I think most everyone in this room has probably at some point in time thought to themselves or even said it, if I can just get to church, if I can just get to church, I know that that's what I need. I know that that's where I need to be. If I can just get to the house of the Lord, it will be well. It will be well. God will heal me. God will touch me. God will strengthen me. I'd, I've said it personally. If I can just get there, I know that God will give me the strength I need. Psalms 119 and 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. I hope in thy word. In our darkest moments, sometimes all it takes is just a, a, a brother or sister to speak a word of encouragement to us. Uh, someone to bring us a light in our darkness. Someone to just help us, encourage us along the way. In our darkest time, let somebody in. Let somebody encourage you. Proverbs 27 and 9 says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. There is something about a word of encouragement from a friend. I'm thankful for the people that bring us light in our darkness. These are the hands and feet of Jesus. These are his people. This is the body of Christ. These are the people that minister to us when we're hurting, when we're sad, when we're grieving, when we're broken. You shall be comforted. <clears throat> He's seen them. He's seen them. He saw the multitude. He saw their hurt. He saw their pain. But you know what else he did? He sat with them. He could have stopped and said, well, I'll stand up on this tree stump and I'll just preach this great word and then you can all go home happy and blessed. That's not what he did. He sat with them. He sat down in their midst. He got right down where they were at. I'm not interested in whether you've stood with the great. I'm interested in whether you've sat with the broken. One of the greatest quotes by Sue Fitzmaurice, she said, I am not interested in whether you have stood with the great. That means nothing. That makes no difference. She said, I'm interested in whether you have sat with the broken. Have you sat with somebody in their darkest hour? Have you sat with somebody in their hurt, in their grief, and in their pain and just went through it with them? Maybe you didn't have much to offer, but just being there, being there in their presence. Uh, so quickly we become immune to pain. Not our pain, others' pain. 
so, so quickly, and, and you hear about this in like law enforcement, you hear about this in the medical field, uh, you, you become desensitized to hurt and to pain. Like police officers that see some of the worst things. Uh, it becomes like, eh. you know, you find a dead body and there's mutilation and whatever else done to, or, or if you work in the medical field, you, you see people come in and you deal with some of the, the, the most horrible conditions. And eventually you're desensitized to that. You just, you, it's almost like you become immune to it. That's how, that's how it is in life. When people we know sometimes they're suffering, it's like, ah, uh, uh, feel bad for you. I'm praying for you. But then we walk away and we don't feel that pain. They're still there in the hurt. They're still there in the, in the grief. But we don't feel it because we've been through so much. We've seen so much. We just, we forget. Jesus doesn't forget. The pain doesn't become immune. He doesn't become immune to the suffering. He doesn't become desensitized to the pain. Jesus does not become desensitized and immune to your grief and to your mourning and to your suffering. The Bible says that he is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Everything we feel, everything we go through, he knows it. He feels it. He's with us. And he is there sitting with us comforting us, giving us peace, giving us joy. Sometimes there's been moments in life where you wanted to collapse. You wanted to quit. You wanted to throw in the towel, and Jesus wouldn't let you. He was right there with you, picking you up, saying, nope, we're going to go one more step. We're going to go one more day. We're going to just take it one step at a time. And although you wanted to give up, he wouldn't let you. Paul said, all men have forsaken me, howbeit the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. Jesus will never become immune to suffering. He will be there through every step of the struggle. <clears throat> we so, I want you to think about this. Jesus could have had the audience of kings. Kings tried to request him. King Herod tried to request audience with Jesus. Jesus wouldn't give him the time of day. He could have sat with kings. He was the king of kings. He could have sat. He could have had the audience of the priests. For he was our high priest. And is our high priest. He could have sat with any nobleman or lord. He could have had the audience of any. He was the lord of lords. He is the lord of lords. Let me correct my grammar. He could have picked anybody but he sat among the broken because his heart broke for them he sat among sinners because he would one day give his life for those sinners this is what the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 61 and as we stand I'm coming to a close Isaiah chapter 61 kind of, in a nutshell, describes the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even opened up the word in the synagogues and read from this very text as his ministry was being launched. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me 
to preach good tidings unto the meek. Now I want you to really hone in on about two-thirds of this text. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That he might be glorified. He said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I've come to give beauty for ashes. I've come to comfort them that mourn. I've come to give the oil of joy for mourning and to appoint them that mourn in Zion. Blessed are you that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed, he said, because you shall become. I came for you, is what he was saying. If you're mourning, I came for you. The very word of the Lord said, I came to heal you. I came to give you hope. I came to give you joy. I came to give you gladness. I came to lift you up. I came to appoint you in the kingdom of God. Can we just lift our hands to the Lord right now and just invite him into whatever season we're going through? You can invite him into whatever you're feeling, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's been on your heart, whatever's on your mind right now. Anything you're dealing with when you walk outside of these doors, God, we invite you in right now, Jesus. Lord, let your word resonate in every heart tonight, God. Let the spirit of the Lord minister to every situation. God, you know the pain, you know the struggle, you know the hurt, Lord. You are with us in the process, God. You are giving the oil of joy in the season of our mourning, God. You are going to bind up the brokenhearted, Lord. It is the promise of your word, and we are blessed, God, because you are inviting us into closer proximity to your presence, Lord. And we can know you on a level, God, that we could have never known you before. I pray, Lord, that you would step into every season right now. Whatever your people are dealing with, God, whatever they're struggling with, God, and if the, in the days to come, we don't know what, hold, what tomorrow holds. But we know, Lord, that you hold our tomorrow. And you will be with us, God, in every step, in every season, in every struggle. And we give you praise.